If you have your Bibles, please, if you would turn in them to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. The glorious skate park has taken flight for the next 15 minutes. John chapter 20, you there? Yes, no? Yeah, okay. If you're a guest with us tonight, we have a couple of Bibles in the back. Um, I'd encourage you either to look on with your friend or to uh, get one yourself. What we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks is the gospel. We started in creation, how God spoke into the darkness. Um, God created man. He didn't need man, but he created man to bring him glory. Then we talked about how man, through willful disobedience, chose to make himself God instead of submitting to God's authority, independent of God, independent of what God's desire was. And because of that, the cancer of sin has now been injected into all of our DNAs, that it is infecting us, that it is um, deceiving us, that we all are plagued by this horrible thing called sin. But throughout the Old Testament, God gave us pictures of his great plan to buy us back out of slavery through his son, Jesus Christ. We talked about uh, Abraham believing God and God giving him faith, crediting faith to his account. Excuse me real quick. Hey, Amy, Greg's not here tonight, so can you go be our bouncer for us? That'd be awesome. Appreciate it. Can you all see Amy Albin being a bouncer? Nice. Here we go. Then we continued on this trek to where Jesus appeared on the scene, the sinless Son of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We talked about the cross. We talked about the betrayal. We talked about the resurrection. We talked about after the resurrection how Jesus has now told us to be the witnesses of the gospel wherever we go. And then we... We, we should have ended, but we talked about, okay, if the gospel is true, if Jesus is who he says he is, then what does that mean for my life? What's that mean for us as we are in 2,000 years later, as we are here in this room, as we are here in DFW, what the heck is the point of the gospel? And so last week we talked about uh, these individuals and we talked about the flipped life. We talked about our friend who uh, was on the road, who was far from God, who was in the desert in a chariot and was searching for God in Isaiah, reading the scriptures, the Ethiopian eunuch, and how God met him in the desert and flipped his life. How there was a repentance, there was an immediate, what keeps me from being baptized right now? And the guy was baptized. We talked about the woman at the well who was searching for all of these things in her life. She was looking for it in all the wrong places like most of us before we came to Christ. And a lot of us that are still in this room tonight were looking to all of these other things. We're rejected by men. We're rejected. We're thirsty. We go after all these other things to satisfy thirst and we're still thirsty. And yet the woman at the well had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus, the living water, gave her the living water, and she was accepted and satisfied. And we talked about people within our midst who they have had the flip. We talked about sinless 
uh, Jesus who made it possible for that flip to happen in our lives, where we have the before and then we have the after, and how that should be the testimony of every person in this room. If we are a follower of Christ, he has flipped us because of the gospel. His kindness has led us to repentance. Well, tonight we're going to continue with that theme. We're going to move from repentance, changing of the mind that leads to change of the heart, that leads to change of the life, and move past that towards what does it mean to believe? And I know that sounds like a really standard, like really easy thing, but it's, it's going to catch it a little off guard. So look with me, please, at John chapter 20. I'm in verse 30. John chapter 20, verse 30. Jesus has died, he's been buried, he's rose again, and the gospel is now being taken to the nations. Verse 30. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, the book of John. But these, these signs, these miracles, have been written so that you may what? So that you may what? So that you may believe. And we've talked about this before. Believe what? What do they need to believe? Why is everything in all these chapters of John, why is all of that written? So that you may believe what? Jesus is the what? Jesus is the chosen one. And something happens when that belief occurs. So that you may believe and by believing that you may have life. So there's this interchange that's happened all throughout the Old and the New Testament where you believe in the Son of God, that Jesus is the Son of God, and by believing you have life. Let me read another one to you. Um, and these were up on the screen, but you couldn't see them that, that well. Acts chapter 16, verse 30, it says it like this. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said to him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your entire household. How many of you were here this past Sunday at the second or third service that's usually the second service, the 1045 service? How many of you saw that family? The entire 21 people that were a part of this family came to know the Lord. Our pastors walked with them explaining the gospel, um, making sure they knew what the gospel was and that it just wasn't doing it because grandma and dad and Uncle Bob were doing it. But they all came to know the Lord, the entire household. Very cool. At the very end, grandma and grandpa were dunked in the water and it was awesome. How did they have life? Because they believed. What did they believe? You tell me. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 10, 9 says it like this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. You will be saved. Not just believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but believe that Jesus, the Son of God, was risen from the dead, you will be saved. That's why the resurrection is so important. You can't have salvation from sins without the resurrection. Let me tell you a little bit about this word, believe. What does it mean to believe? Let's, let's put it in everyday terms today. 
Okay, what's it mean if you believe something today? If you hear someone say, I believe that. You find it to be true. Okay, define that for me. What's it mean you find it to be true? You acknowledge it. We're getting way too philosophical. What? You put your hope into it? Okay, if I believe that that chair is black, I'm not really putting my hope in it. I just agree. I'm showing you what my perception, hey, that looks black. But if you're colorblind, are you going to believe that that chair is black? Let's say red. That chair is red? I don't know. What else do we believe? Where else do you hear this word, I believe? Huh? When you trust in something, okay, unpack that for me. What's it mean that you trust in something? See, what's happening is, parenthesis statement, we become so familiar with this word, belief, that we're like, we're throwing all these church terms. Trust, hope, right? If you met someone on the street who had no hope of the gospel, had no perception of Jesus or the gospel, and you said, all you need to do is believe. What are you trying to say to them? Believe. Okay, faith, which the guy who had no perception of the gospel would say, like George Michael, you got to have faith. What are you talking about? Okay, he said, like the sun's going to be up every morning. How to accept as a fact? Okay. Any other things? Backed up by other facts? Personal experience? Going to a restaurant many times and believing it's going to be there. You act upon it. What do you mean, Danae? Okay, y'all have all heard the example of the chair, right? Yeah, where's the chair? I believe that the stool is there. We're getting real philosophical tonight. What is the chair? Is the chair a dream or is it reality? The chair's there. I believe that it's there. Do I believe? Can, am I showing that I believe right now? Danae, help me out. What, what do you mean? You got to sit on it. Why do I have to sit on it? To prove my belief, I have to sit on the chair. Why? Otherwise, I could just say, hey, I believe, but I don't really believe. Okay, interesting. This Greek word is different than all the other definitions that we've said, except for maybe Denae's. It's not just, I believe the sun's going to come up, because we believe that because it's routine. This is not routine. It's not just hope. It's not just, oh, I perceive that it's there. It's totally different. The Greek has the idea of being persuaded, okay? I am persuaded, let's say the gospel, I am so persuaded and captivated by the gospel that I get it, it's affected me, it's changed me. The belief or faith means a firm persuasion. What's it mean to be persuaded of something? 
Don't use the word belief. Okay? How do I know if I'm persuaded? You act like you are, and you operate in action as a result of that. Uh, a really famous theologian says it like this. Three essential elements of belief in Jesus. Okay? And notice the difference between what the Greek understanding of belief is and what all these definitions that we've just talked about. Number one, a firm conviction, producing a full acknowledgement of God's truth. Firm conviction, where you would come up to someone and I would come up to Chris and I'd say, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, buried, three days later rose again, victorious over sin, death, and the grave? Do you believe that? Yes. At this point, I'm taking his word for it. He believes it. Then we go to next step number two. This belief where we believe it, and this is where it's totally different from us today in our understanding of belief. You not only believe it, but what's the next thing you do? You submit to it. You, what's the word up there? It results, true belief always results in personal surrender. Somebody unpack that, say it a little bit differently for me. True belief results in surrender. What's that mean? Okay. Okay. All right. You change. What's the, what's the idea of surrender mean? Say that a little louder. Yeah, to be under someone else's authority. Remember our definition of sin? Independence from God, doing things the way that, that I want to do them. True belief, true repentance is not what I want to do. It's whatever the Lord wants me to do, I surrender to what God wants me to do. I believe and it results in surrender. Okay, so that's the step two. Belief resulting in surrender that leads to what? Third thing. Hint for you, it's right on the screen. New conduct. Okay, so the statistic is 93% of Americans believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What would you say? Faulty reasoning? Faulty statistic? Yes or no? Would you say 93% of Americans believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Why would you say faulty reasoning? Because of their conduct. Well, you're judgmental, Chris. What do you mean? He said, it's like saying it, but you go out and live another life. If it doesn't, if the belief doesn't result in surrender and a change of direction and a change that you live your life, otherwise known as repentance, then is it true belief? No. No, you're good. That's the point.
Right. Total difference. There's several Greek words that mean belief. Aaron, you had to bring this up. Several Greek words. In the book of James, it's even you believe that God is one. Well, good. Because even the demons believe that God is one. They, they know that, but it hasn't resulted in the conduct. Every time that Jesus talked about believe, especially in the book of John, it's believe that results in action. Repent and believe the gospel for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Totally different because of the context of what it says in James and then what Jesus says, what Paul says. Use of the word. Okay, so 93% of Americans. Uh, okay, let's, let's jump back from America to where are we going to pick on? The church. Or Tarrant County, whatever, Katie. <laughs> whatever you want to do. The church. So somebody comes, they walk down the aisle, and they say, oh, yeah, I believe. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. But there's no change. There's no transformation. There's no surrender to what God wants. There's no difference. There's no flip. What do you say? Congratulations. You're the next contestant on True Belief. Is that true belief? You say that so quickly. You're a prophet, aren't you? Plain and simple, black and white is what he said. And yet, we have so many people that say, well, I believed. When I was at youth camp and we were around the fire and we were singing songs and praising the Lord, I believed. But 15 years later down the road, after I've lived my life the way that I want to for a while... Definition of sin. After I've tried to clean things up on my own, I still believe. True belief, not true belief. Let's keep looking at it. All right? Firm conviction. Say this with me, please. Firm conviction that results in surrender, that results in change life. Firm belief, surrender, change life. Okay? Firm belief, say it one more time, surrender, change life. Now, I tried to think of what's an example of this that I could give you, hey, what movies have I seen, what stories have I looked at, but then I realized that the best example of this is in the Bible. Oh my gosh. The best example of this, turn to John chapter 3, John chapter 3. You there? John chapter 3, verse 14. We'll read all the way through it, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever, what's our word? Whoever believes will in the Son of Man have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know that one. Verse 17. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in Jesus is not judged. 
he who does not believe has already been judged because he has not believed in the name of this only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light, another name for Jesus, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, Jesus. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Okay, look over that real quickly. What, what do we learn right there about belief? Brings you eternal life. Belief in what? Jesus is the Son of God. And then there's this contrast. He who believes, what? Eternal life, won't experience, what's the J word? Judgment. Contrasted with, he who does not believe is already being judged or being judged right now. Why? Why is he already being judged? Then he gives us this big kind of overview picture. He's judged because Jesus has come into the world, the light, and instead of running to the light, what have men done? They've run away from it. They've run away from the light to the darkness. Interesting. Go back to the first verse that we looked at, though. Verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Anybody know that story or remember that story? Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness? Yes, no? Let's have story time, okay? Um, I think I have the verse up here. There we go. Numbers chapter 21. There's this amazing account of Moses. All these people are grumbling against Moses and as a result, grumbling against God too. Grumble means they are picking a fight with God while Moses isn't around. Picking a fight with Moses while he's not around. Not submitting to his authority. Okay? So guess what happens? All of these poisonous snakes, they call them asps, A-S-P-S. I don't know what the what plural of, of that is. All of these poisonous snakes come and start biting all of the people. And not just biting them like, ouch, a snake just bit me, but biting them and giving them this poisonous venom that's making them sick to the point of death. So the people, as a result of this consequence, start going to Moses and saying, we're so sorry. We're so sorry we sinned against you. We're so sorry we sinned against God. Tell us how to make this better. So Moses, like he always does most of the time, goes to the Lord and says, how do we solve this problem? You're, how do we do this? God says to Moses, hey, take a golden serpent, raise it up in the air as a standard. When you raise it up in the air, tell the people to look at the serpent, the golden serpent in the air. If they look, what do you think will happen? They'll be healed. If they don't look, they're going to die. Now, you still open to John 3, verse 14? Somebody read that aloud for us, please. Yeah, 
even so the Son of Man be lifted up. Okay, so think of that story real quick, and let's look at our elements of belief, okay? Did they believe that if they looked at the serpent that they would be healed? Some of them. Why do you clarify by some? Some didn't, they died. Okay, so a firm conviction, if you look at the serpent, you'll be healed. Was that enough? Oh, if I look at the serpent, I'll be healed. If I look, I'll be healed. If I look, if I just look at the serpent, I'll be healed. Ouch, that hurt. I got bit by a snake and man, I'm going to die. But if I look at the serpent, I'll be healed. What needs to happen? What's number two? Surrender. What's number three? Huh? I've actually got to look up, get to where I can see the serpent, look up, and then be healed. I know belief because of action. I know what is actually taking place, belief on the inside because of my outward conduct. That's all throughout Scripture. Your doctrine, what you believe, determines your conduct. If you have bad conduct, you have bad doctrine. Interesting. Let's keep going. Okay, we're going to see how all this fits together. All right? So we've gone to numbers. What does this have to do with the gospel? What does this have to do with belief? Think of the story of Moses raising up the standard in the wilderness. Why would Jesus, in John chapter 3, use that as an example of belief? God said it, they believed, and belief turned into action, so they were healed. What in the world does that have to do with salvation, with the gospel? Hmm. They had to believe in what, what God said was the remedy and not try to do it themselves. Okay, now jump to John chapter 3, verse 16. Remember John 3, 16? Whosoever believes. Okay, so is this a, a like, click yes, I believe in the gospel? What kind of belief is Jesus giving the example of? Not just, oh yeah, I believe that. Belief that turned to surrender, that turned to action, I'm going to look up. The serpent in the wilderness was a picture of what was going to happen on the cross. If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, risen again, then it should change. It should change the way that you live your life. Okay? So let's keep going. Three misconceptions then about belief. What We've already hit one of them. That belief is just this intellectual thing of, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, so I'm free to live life the way that I want to. Know anybody like that? Yes? No? Yeah, I know a lot of people like that. Well, I I, I signed this thing, or I was dunked when I was 
when I was 12 or I went to this camp and walked the aisle, right? Belief that leads to surrender, that leads to a changed life, okay? So the first misconception, we're going to talk about three of them pretty quickly. Number one, say it, work it, not what you're thinking. Number two, what's the second one? Good people. And number three, So if we're going to seriously take this gospel thing seriously, where we want to leave from here and go infect infect our generation, DFW, Tarrant County, with the gospel, these are the three most common misconceptions that we will face. The three most common, okay? Number one, work it. What does that mean? A lot of people believe, and you've probably heard it, that you can clean yourself up that you can get to heaven on your own, that salvation is really about you just, the key word is, trying harder. Do you know anybody that just tries and tries and tries to prove that they are a child of God, tries and tries to work their way into heaven? Well, look at what the word says about this. Titus 3. I'll read it to you real quickly. Titus 3, verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. How are we saved? Are we saved by us? Yeah, the washing, the regeneration of the Spirit. We're saved not on the basis of deeds that we have done in righteousness. Do we have any righteous deeds? No. So is this thing of, well, if I just try harder, I'll be able to become a believer. Is that what it is? Not possible. Let me finish it for you. The Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. And this is probably one, those of you who are mentoring or being in the mentor process, you know this one really well. Ephesians 2, verse 8. How have you been saved? By grace. Through faith. Through belief. Faith and belief are synonymous here. By grace, that's God working. Through faith, that's you accepting, believing, surrendering. By grace, through faith, and then it clarifies it for us. What's it say? Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So if you meet someone who is ultra, ultra God's, uh, what's, how should we phrase this? Ultra, ultra, uh, theological word is Armenian. Ultra, ultra, man's choice, man's will, man did it, man chose. I chose God and he had to give me salvation. What's this verse say to them? It it has nothing to do with what you've done. By grace, through faith. 
Now let's go to the flip side. If you meet ultra, ultra Calvinist person that says, God chose me and I didn't have a choice, what does this verse say? Yeah, he did have grace, but it was through faith. You can't separate God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. By grace, through faith. Why would God make it that way? Not of yourselves, verse 9. Why would God do it this way? So no one can boast. Beth, what's that mean? It's not something I did. It's not because I'm a better person than anybody else. It's because, simply because I opened the gift. By grace, through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, so that no one can boast. Why? Verse 10. Because we are his workmanship. We are his master craftsman piece of creation. He is making us created. Created in what? In Christ Jesus. Why? If you are a believer today, why have you been created in Christ Jesus as a masterpiece? According to this verse. For good works. Now this seems totally contradictory. I thought it wasn't about works. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which... Oh, we got some more clarification here. Read that for me. Which God prepared in advance for us that we should walk in. In them. Okay, so from this, from Ephesians chapter 2, do we have any, do our works or our deeds have anything to do with salvation? Everybody's scared. What do you mean, Chad? Who's the one who brings about the deeds? Christ, because we're in Christ Jesus. When did all of this happen? Well, he prepared it beforehand. What did we have to do with it? By grace, through faith. Through belief, surrender, change of life. That came about through Christ Jesus. So if Joe Schmo said to you on the street, well, I'm a good person. I, I, I work, I, I give to charity um, I am involved in a charity ball every year and I, I love the earth and I take care of the earth and um, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the widow and the orphan and so all of these things that I've done, I mean, that proves. What would you say to them? You'd say nothing? Okay. You're wrong. What? Pardon me? What did you just say? <laughs> awesome. Dirty, filthy, sick, disgusting rags is your righteousness. Vivid picture, right? Don't you love how God gives the vivid picture? We love you, Amanda. We love you. But that's the picture. And that's maybe what you would say to him. You can't work your way. 
Do you know some people that are trying to work their way, though, into salvation? Where if I just give more money to idol gives back, then I'm good. I'm saved. Man can do no good. Yeah. So misconception number one, work it. Does it have anything to do with salvation? No, because salvation is by grace, through faith, a gift of God so that no one can boast, okay? These, of course, are all ones that I've had in conversations with people over the past six months as well. So, Chad, let's come back to you, your, your comment. Um, does that mean, then, that if I am in Christ and I am a believer, that I have no works? I have faith and I'm good. That's all I need. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did y'all hear him? Say it a little bit louder, Chad. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So the question was, can does this mean that you have no works? No. Because if you truly have faith, what's it result in? Works. Does it mean that before Christ that you have to have those works in order to become a believer? No, we have Amanda's description or God's description on that, right? Pointless, can't even happen. But once you are in Christ, you can't just say, oh, fire insurance, I'm saved, I believe. I don't have to have any works. I don't have to have any works of righteousness. I don't really have to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I can still do whatever I wanted to do. Remember, you're the next contestant on true belief or not. Is that true belief? No. Okay? So misconception number one, work it. Well, it's by grace through faith. Let's go to number two. Good people. You come up to Sally on the street, or maybe Sally's in your family, and uh, she's grown up within a denomination, or she's grown up within a religion that says, hey, we're all basically good. Or she's listened to Sarah McLaughlin a little bit, bit too much who says that we are, we're all innocent. We're all innocent. What do you say? 
Any zingers, Amanda, on that one? Uh, okay, there's war, okay. So have you heard that one before, though? Good people? I know a lot of people, uh, I know a lot of people who think that. Oh, I'm good. I'm Republican. I'm good. Or um, morally, I'm a good person. That's the one I've heard a lot. Look at what Jesus said on this. Uh, Luke 18, verse 18 to 19, if you're writing it down. A ruler questioned him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. Hey, what do I got to do to be saved? I mean, you're Jesus. This is a question that you want to be asked, you would think. What do I got to do to get eternal life? You would think Jesus would come up with three points, tell him how to get to heaven. But what does Jesus say? Does he give him an altar call and sing just as I am? No, he says, why do you call me good? What's the bottom line at the very end? No one is good. That's kind of confusing. Turn to Romans 3 and we'll get, it, we'll get Paul to unpack it a little bit for us. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Romans 3 is an amazing summary of what Paul has been saying that um, everybody is under judgment. And he says in verse 10, as it's written, there is no one who is righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. Look at some of these verbs right here. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. And together they're useless. So misconception number two, good person. I haven't really done any, I mean, I haven't murdered anybody. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm not a pedophile. I'm good. What do you say to him? In grace, in love, yet with truth. Uh, Jesus. Do you think Jesus was good, bro? Well, yeah. Well, he even said there's no one. No one who understands. So what if you're here tonight and you're like, yeah, I'm a good person. What's God say to you? Huh? What? Why? What do you mean why? Why are you a good person? Gotcha. How can you be a good person? You know people who have that misconception? Yeah. Last one. All roads lead to heaven. Have you heard that one before? Well, you worship Jesus. I'm in Kabbalah. We're all the same. You heard that one? Well, you say Jesus. We say Allah. It's the same. Have you heard that before? Yeah. Most of you who are in college, you have gone through college, you hear that in your classes. And it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Well, what did Jesus say about that? If someone said that to you, what would be your response to them? 
John 14, 6. You might think that Jesus, that many roads lead to heaven, but Jesus himself said, the way, the truth, the life. Like emphasizing this is the only way, truth, life. No one comes to the Father except through the cross, except through Jesus. Not Buddha, not Allah, not Hare Krishna, but only through Jesus. Good job, Rob. John 14, 6. Next one, 1 Timothy 2, 5. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man. There's no other way besides the cross. There's no other way except for the gospel for someone to be restored. One more for you, just for kicks. Acts 4, 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name besides Jesus under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. No one. Why are we covering this when we're talking about the gospel? Why are these, why are these things important when we consider the gospel? Yeah. She said these are all things that people might use to refute it. Remember where we start tonight. True belief. What is it? I'm persuaded. Firm conviction. I surrender and change my life. If I think... Uh, misconception number one, that I have to work my salvation out. Uh, strike that. That I have to work in order to become saved. Why is that wrong? You'll never make it. You're totally ignoring the fact that you are a sinner and that you are depraved and that no good can come as a result. So you're not starting on the level playing field of you're a sinner in need of a sinless Savior so that you can be restored and brought back to God. Misconception one, wrong. Work it. Okay? What about misconception two? I'm a good person. No one's good. You're still ignoring the fact that you're a sinner in need of a sinless Savior to take on the wrath of God on your behalf so that you can walk in repentance. What about number three? All roads. There's one road, one way through the cross. So I know, I know specifically that there are, there are people even that are testing this thing out of what Christ is and who he is, um, and I say this in love to you and with grace, but this is the only way. By grace, through faith. It's not because I'm better than you, because no one can boast. It's all the grace of the cross, the grace of Christ. Me sharing the gospel then with someone who is on the street or with a co-worker or a classmate, it's not because I'm better than them, why would I share the gospel with them? Because I want to prove that I'm better? Because I want to prove that I'm smart? 
It's what he tells us to do, and the more the merrier. Woo! Yeah? I want him to have the same freedom, which insinuates the flip side of that, opposite of freedom. They're in slavery to sin. They're in bondage to sin. And what will happen as a result of that? Death, condemnation, eternal judgment. Is that a big deal? Yeah. So, tonight, you know, you might be, oh, I have that intellectual assent that Jesus is God, but I've never surrendered, and I've never, there's no change. When we were talking about the flip in the people's lives, there was no flip. There was no cardboard testimony of my life. What do we say to that person with love and grace in our hearts? Amanda, what would you say to him? If there's the person who says, I have the mental assent, Jesus is Lord, without the surrender, without the changed, transformed life that can only come about through Jesus, what do we say to that person? In love and grace, but also truth. Or if the person thinks, I have a mental ascent and I'm trying to clean up all these areas of my life and I want to bring Jesus in to help me clean up and make me a better person. What would you say to that person? One more time. I believe Jesus, mental ascent, but I'm going to... I want to clean myself up. I want to morally improve who I am. So I'm going to get Jesus to come in with all this other stuff, and I want Jesus to help me out, to be a morally better person. What? You're missing the surrender. Yeah. You haven't surrendered to him as Lord. Either Jesus is the one true God, not one of many gods, or he's no God at all. Belief, surrender, change of conduct. Explain that. They don't believe... Uh, for those of you listening at home, they can't hear Amanda. Um, ex- explain that. that. They don't believe in the work of the cross. What happened on the cross that speaks to this?
changes your thoughts, changes your actions, changes your personality, changes every aspect of who you are. So if you are in the room tonight and if you have the mental ascent, yeah, Jesus is Lord, I, I get the Easter story, I understand that. Without the surrender, no deal. No deal. If you have the mental ascent and you think that you have the surrender without a transformed life, deal or no deal? No deal. Belief, surrender, God, every part of who I am, the good, the bad, the ugly, every part. I am sick of being God of my life. You are now God. You are now Lord. And that moment will absolutely result in a change, a transformation. Not immediate, not a uh, you're perfect, but a you are working you are working and partnering with Christ in your life to be conformed, to be changed into the image of God in Christ Jesus. You, as Paul said, are crucified, you're dead, now Christ lives in you through you. 1 Corinthians 15, the passage we looked at last week. It is the same power that rose Christ from the dead now lives in you to cause you to walk in righteousness. Belief. Surrender changed life. Let's pray. God, you are amazing. Only you can change a life. Your grace, your mercy, your kindness have led us to places of repentance where we stop believing lies. Maybe the lies that we're good, maybe the lies that we can try harder to be saved or to be better. Or the lie that we'll take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of everything else and mix them all around in a mixer and then we'll have salvation. Father, by your kindness, lead us to places of repentance where we stop believing those lies and we believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, motivated out of his holiness and out of his love, demonstrated his love for us in Christ Jesus while we were yet sinners, so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, we thank you for making him who knew no sin, taking my place on the cross where I deserve the wrath of God poured out in my life, removing me and putting Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would allow others in this room to experience the freedom of the gospel and the transformation of the gospel. But more importantly, Father, I also ask that you would allow us, the church, to wake up to the reality that this is to be our life. Taking the gospel to our friends, our co-workers, our families, living the surrendered, living the transformed life. Being the aroma of Christ among a lost and dying world that is without hope. Father, may we be grieved like Jesus was when he looked at Jerusalem and said that they are like sheep without a shepherd. May we be grieved for our community. May we be grieved for our families. May we be grieved for our friends who are lost and without hope. 
who will experience the wrath of God. Judgment is already on them because the light of the world has come into the world and they've run away from it. Lord, help us to be gripped by that, their eternal destiny. And help us to be used by you to change our generation and our world for the sake of Christ. We know it comes through anguish. We know it comes through prayer, through fasting, and we ask that you would use us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.